0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. It's going to let you know. Trigger alert. Um, your past is a little triggered this morning. Um, it's not you. It's not you. Um, preaching is therapeutic. Sometimes I have to get it out. Um, and so um, keep that in mind as you listen. Um... We're in a tough spot, but it's not too big for God. And God's going to move in our midst. You have to know that God is going to move in our midst if we're willing to do the work. Um, but yeah, put on your real good listening ears this morning. And don't hear out of emotion. Don't jump to judgment. Hear the whole sermon. If you still have questions afterwards, reach out to me. But I believe that God is ready to move in the hearts of people who will stand against what culture's trying to dump down our throat, what um, has infiltrated a lot of other churches, and they're a part of it as well. Um, in far as some of the conversations that are theologically different than um, than my perspective, and. I really believe that if churches really believe what they they're saying, we wouldn't be in this uh, this climate right now. I'll just say that. And so with that being said. uh, Brace yourself, get ready for the word. You might be uh, wondering uh, why I'm preaching from my closet. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But before I do, I just want to take a quick moment uh, to let everybody know that we have we have been receiving questions uh, in our, in our question box. And this week I wanted to address one of them. Um, and it says, is the universal church considered split by all the different denominations? And I believe that's a very good question. Uh, it's totally anonymous. So I don't know who I'm addressing right now, but anonymous uh, question giver, <laughs> uh, let me first start to answer your question by, uh, defining terms. Um, So first I need to differentiate the local church from the universal church. And the local church is simply a group of professing believers uh, who gather in the same location on a regular basis. Even if we're gathering online, we're a community and we stay in contact with one another. And so we are the local church, but we're made up of individual people or the ecclesia, which the Bible says is the called out ones. And so we are the called out ones who come together collectively to make up the body of Christ. And the universal church is made up of all believers in Jesus Christ Worldwide, And so the local church, uh, they gather together on a regular basis and the global or universal church are just believers all over the world. And so making that distinction, uh, denominations, however, uh, are uh, Christian denominations are uh, people who hold the same tenets of faith that are essential to be Christians or essential to be a part of Jesus's body based upon their faith profession and who they believe Jesus is. And so Baptists or Presbyterians are, are examples of denominations. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are Mormons. They believe something wholeheartedly different about Jesus, which makes them not a part of the Christian denomination. Even though they use the same language, even though they reference the Bible, uh, what they believe about the body of Christ would exclude them from being a part of a uh, 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 what we would call a Christian denomination. And then you have things like Buddhism or Islam, which are different religions altogether. Even though people in those religions might reference Jesus, they believe totally different things about Jesus Christ. And so we have denominations who tend to accentuate certain elements of the faith, like baptism or uh, who can take the Lord's table, Uh, or things like um, the sovereignty of salvation and how God works in salvation or who can be a part of the Lord's Supper and um, who can be available to do those things and miracle signs and wonders. These things are not um, exclusionary from being a Christian depending on what you believe about those things. And so you can be a part of the body of Christ uh, and be a part of separate denominations and still be a part of the universal church. And I also need to say this. You could be a part of the uh, the congregation and not be a part of the universal church of God because the idea is it's an individual uh, uh Salvation is an individual thing. And as you uh, give your heart and your life to Jesus, you could go to many different churches and not even know their doctrinal statement. And so the idea is that once you're in the body of Christ, it doesn't matter necessarily where you gather um, because you might not necessarily be wholeheartedly uh, uh in alignment with the gathering, the people that you're gathering with. And so what really is important is that you've given your life and your heart to Jesus Christ, and then you're a part of the body of Christ. I hope that wasn't too confusing, but that's a great question. And if anybody else has any questions along these lines or any question at all, feel free to hit us up at bit.ly slash ask NECC. And that's a perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um. Today, I want to specifically address something that's heavily been weighing on my heart. Um, And that is that so many believers have uh, exhibited uh, a carnal faith in these challenging and trying times. And uh, it's kind of unbelievable to me because uh, we have so many resources available to us uh, as believers to um, uh, effectively uh, know, love and serve Jesus Christ. And uh, we live in an age where many people have lost hope and we look sometimes just as hopeless as the world. And so I really believe that it is time for the church to stand up and be uh, the bearers of truth in a dark, dark world. Um, this is nothing new. Someone texted me this week and reminded me, uh, that there's nothing new under the sun and that Paul had to. Constantly and consistently refute false teaching. He had to constantly and consistently uh, speak to the church in order for the church to not go astray. And I often have bagged away from conversations. I have often allowed people to kind of believe what they believed as, lo- as long as it wasn't sin unto death. But I've been convicted. I got one text message that pointed that out to me. I got another text message that really convicted me about standing for truth at all costs. And I've never shown away from the truth however i haven't leaned into certain truths because i knew that they might be offensive now hear this it's never about uh being afraid of people it's never about uh uh, not wanting uh people to leave the church if they leave the church but what it really has been about is i was If you will, I was babying people into growing up into their faith. And so I've really been challenged with that recently. And then finally, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine just the other day. We hadn't talked in a while. And he was telling me that um, in his experience, he was realizing that the loudest voice, people are following the loudest voice because people aren't able in a lot of times, believers aren't able to theologically explain why they do what they do. And so this has been a really challenging set a couple of weeks. uh, I've been attacked for my theology, uh, 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 given certain things I've been lied on. Um, But it's all good because uh, I truly believe what God has given me to speak to our local body. And I am opening up the lines to the elders for you guys to reach out and ask questions anytime you want uh, to get clarity on what I'm talking about. Uh, I truly believe that I stand on the side of Christ uh, in a day in an age where people are being led astray by uh, false teaching that are in the mainstream and denominations. I'm seeing them say things that I believe is counterintuitive to the gospel message. And so we're gonna uphold the gospel message. Uh, If you're a a member of NECC, you might get heat about this. I'm getting heat about this, but that's okay. Uh, And that goes into uh, why I'm preaching from my closet. This morning because I believe that a lot of Christians are closeted and we are allowing false doctrine forced into our environments and we aren't standing up for truth and I believe that the hope of the world is in the church and we need to come out of the closet as believers and say what Jesus said when he walked this earth I'm urging us to stand up for our faith to stand up for the true gospel message And I'm urging you not to bend and not to bow uh, to the things that are being said in our culture. And I'm urging you to get into your Bible and learn what God is saying to the church, how we can stand for truth in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. In this book, The Dangers of a Shallow Faith, Awakening from Spiritual Lethargy, Arthur A.W. Tozer spoke of a church being on the brink of apostasy. And just to give you a little bit of context, A.W. Tozer died in 1963. And so this was written uh, like 80 years ago. And he said, I fear that we may have become too apologetic with our apologetics. And in trying to please everyone, we end up destroying truth. And this is the thing that is overarching right now in our day and time. So many people, even in the body of Christ, are relying on personal experiences, are relying on emotion and are not relying on truth. I'm going to say that again, relying on personal experiences, relying on emotion and not relying on truth. And the biggest challenge is we don't know What the word of God says concerning certain things. It is crazy how Paul spoke to the early church so often, often about false teaching and false teaching is even now allowed to run rampant in the body of Christ. And we as believers are often ill equipped to give reason for the hope that is within us. I pay attention to a lot of people who will come to me and they'll say, uh, man, that sermon from this person or that sermon from that person, they'll send a link to me and I'll watch it. And I know this sounds a bit arrogant. I'm really not trying to sound arrogant, but these are some popular people who a lot of people listen to. And they're like, wasn't that so powerful? Wasn't that so deep? And you listen to it and you go. Yeah, but it wasn't based in scripture. It wasn't based in the word of God. It wasn't based in the truth that Jesus came to teach. It was uh, entertaining. uh, It was inspirational. But at the end of it, I had nothing to take away from it in order to make me draw closer to Christ and in order to help me reach the world with the gospel. And a lethargic church is a church that is not walking in the power that God has given the church to walk in. And what happens is the true message of the cross ends up being relegated to fan fiction. So I'm going to ask you today. Are you a closeted Christian? Do you truly believe what you say you believe? And if you truly believe what you say you believe, why aren't you speaking truth to culture? Now, I'm not saying go out on your social media. I'm not saying stand on the street corner and shout out. But I'm talking about those casual conversations that we're always having. We collectively want to talk about philosophy. We collectively want to talk about politics. We collectively want to talk about sports. We want to talk about all the things that are going on in the world as if they are separate from what God has taught us and God has given us because he teaches us that in him we live and move and have our being. And as believers, everything needs to lead back to the cross. Church, we don't know how much time God has left us here on this planet. The Bible teaches us that we should work while it's still day because night is coming and no one's going to be able to work. And so while we're waiting for this pandemic to pass, while we're waiting to be able to go back out and do the things that we want to do and the way that we want to do them, are we crying out for God's kingdom to come? Are we crying out for God to move on the hearts of those we love and we know that they, if, they, if God were to come back today, if God were to come back today, they haven't given their heart and their life to him. Is there urgency in you to walk after the spirit? Is there urgency in you to pray for our nation, to pray for our neighbors, to pray for those in power? Is there urgency in you to be the body of Christ? And we see that Paul warned us in a letter to the Colossian church. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And so Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, and this is actually Colossians 2.8, and he spoke to them not to be led astray or captive by the philosophies of the world. And I believe that a lot of us subscribe to different philosophies and we don't even know what these philosophies really are. And we're espousing things because the world is saying these things and these ideologies and these concepts are creeping into the world. And now we're teaching Bible studies based upon sociology people and psychology people who aren't believers. And it's trumping the word of God. And I will call myself accountable. There's many things that we do not talk about in the church. And so because we don't talk about these things in the church, the church is left to go and figure things out for themselves. And so, again, I'm asking you guys, reach out, speak to me about things that are troubling you. Hit the elders line uh, because we have to get to a place where we are equipped. Uh, In our last hangout, one of the suggestions was that we start teaching on apologetics. And this is what we're going to do. And if you haven't heard the word apologetics before, it is it is simply this. It is a way of being able to formulate arguments about why you believe what you believe. And so that our theology, our theology basically means our view our view about God, our theology, our theo meaning God, logi meaning uh, a word for its uh, literal translation, but it means the study of, and so theology is a study of God, just like biology is a study of life. So our theology, our view of God, our orthodoxy, ortho meaning to set straight and doxy meaning uh, our understanding or our opinions. So our orthodoxy, the way of correct thinking, that's where we get the word orthodontist from because they set our teeth straight. Right. And so our orthodoxy uh, or our correct way of understanding or our orthopraxy, which is the correct way of behaving. All of these things need to line up with Christ. I'm going to say that again. Our theology, which is our view of God, our orthodoxy, which is our correct way of understanding God, and our orthopraxy, our correct way of behavior, all start and end with Jesus. And if you're not funneling your actions daily through the cross, if you're not funneling your actions daily through Christ, then you are not walking in the wealth of what God has given you. And in some cases, you might actually be backsliding. So listen. This is definitely a time to make your calling and election sure. This is definitely a time to come out of the closet. And be who God's called you to be. We see Paul uh, coaching his protege, Timothy, on how uh, how to pastor in an environment where the gospel message was uh, under siege. And if you don't realize that the gospel message is under siege right now, I'm going to talk a little bit about it at the end of this service, and I want to hear from you. So turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Where we will see how the false teaching in Ephesus had penetrated the church and how Timothy was supposed to address it. And so Paul writes in first Timothy, chapter one, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our savior and Christ Jesus, our hope. Christ Jesus, our hope. Sometimes we just brush over introductions. Sometimes we brush over what the word is speaking to us. And so Paul is basically talking to uh, uh, Timothy about God being the savior and Jesus being hope. We see people all the time walking around uh, 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 hopeless and we know where the hope is. And we say, my heart just breaks for that person. But are we willing to walk into their lives and present hope? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Do you even know how to present hope to someone who's downtrodden? Church, we're going to grow up into our faith this year. We're going to grow up into our faith this year. Jesus is the hope. He's the truth in desperate times. Verse two, he says to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Watch this, verse three, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. And so he's talking about the Ephesian church so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine pause. He's saying, Timothy, I'm leaving you there because you have truth. Paul was uh, a, a integral part of the Ephesian church and he left his protege, Timothy there. And he said, listen, Timothy, I'm leaving you behind so that you can teach them. Or he said that you can charge them. That's actually a military command. When I received my charge to be a minister, I received it from 2 Timothy 2, I mean, yeah, 2 Timothy 4, 2, where it tells me that I charge you to speak truth in season or out of season, where the favorable or unfavorable, you as a minister of the gospel are called to tell people where their life is not lining up with God's truth. Because there's going to come a day when there will be itching ears And people will accumulate unto themselves teachers that say what they want them to say. And it's time out for being politically correct when the gospel is at stake. Now, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being rude. Some of you that kind of stuck, struck a chord with you because you've seen people preaching the gospel and they were hateful. But I'm going to show you today how we're supposed to stand in truth and love. Now, watch this. I said I charge you uh, that you may charge certain people not to teach any different doctrine. Wait a minute. This hit me like a ton of bricks this week. That you should tell people don't speak that that's not right Paul is telling Timothy to tell people don't say that that's not the gospel nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies nor to devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith and so He's telling them, listen, if anybody comes and tells you any doctrine, if you hear any doctrine, Timothy, that does not align with the word of God that I presented to you, that you got from the apostles, that you got from the Old Testament, the Torah. Listen, if you get any teaching that doesn't align with that, I tell you that you have the ability to command people. Don't teach that. That's false. That's false. That's wrong. He said, the aim of our charge is love. He said, you're speaking these things and what you're aiming for is love. You're loving people as you speak these things. See, we live in a culture, a time and a society where we can't disagree. And when disagreement happens, you get canceled. And the world is becoming more and more like that to the point now where people don't know what to say because they don't want to be excluded from the rest of culture. Well, I'm gonna tell you something church, when we begin to stand up and speak the truth of God, we will be excluded from culture. And we have to be okay with being excluded from culture. We have to be OK with people saying that that's dogmatic or, or, or the thing that I heard just recently. Somebody, somebody texted me uh, just recently. Uh, what was the word? Toxic Christianity. I know this proposition is scary for many people because you don't want not to be liked. I get that. I don't want not to be liked. But I've made up in my mind that I've tried and I've tried and I always do things in love and I will continue to do things in love, but people are always going to hate truth. And if I'm hated because of truth, I'm in good company. But first, you gotta know the truth. And that truth which convicts you, that truth which persuades you, will set you free. But you gotta know the truth first, saints. You gotta know the truth first, believers. He says, I charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussions. Some people who have left true doctrine have swerved away and wandered into foolish talk. Empty words is what he's saying. Talking loud, and ain't saying nothing. Designed to be a teacher of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Today, we're going to evaluate. Um, these are not exhaustive. We'll go more into some of this stuff, but these are things that we should look at that tell us that uh, this teaching is a false teaching. That might have elements of truth, but it's a false teaching. And I promise I won't be before you long because I'm really hyped and it's getting hot in this closet. Okay, when you are encountering teaching that sounds biblical, that use biblical phraseology, that use biblical terminology, you need to be skeptical when skeptical when you see certain things. And so always be aware of teaching that... uh that promotes knowledge without action. Always beware of teaching that promotes knowledge without action. Beware of teaching that focuses on knowledge and speculations And you never get to the thing that causes you to be more like Christ. So when you're evaluating preachers, when you're evaluating teachers, not to say that some preachers just won't fall short from application, but you should not get excited about a word that just hits you down on the inside because they read it a certain way. And it was so much emotion that you go. Yeah. woo!" And then I say, what are you going to do with that word? You go. Man, but it was so emotional. We should be able to take theology from the word that we are being heard and see how it should be practiced. That's true teaching. The Bible also warns us to not only be hearers of the word, but we should be. See, y'all know y'all Bible. We should be doers of the word. Also, people who get caught up in the emotional experiences without empirical data. Without any evidence of what they say is going on is actually going on, but they've created a doctrine around it. And if anybody disagrees with them and says, no, that's not actually the case, they're ready to turn over tables. False teaching false teaching. And we live in a culture, we live in a society today where everybody's experiences are valid and we don't really care about truth as much as we care about feelings. I feel this way, you feel that way. So we've transformed truth into something that can be relative. Your truth versus my truth. Now I'm not talking about, uh, 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 things that we've come to an understanding of. I'm talking about biblical truth. I'm talking about God's truth. It's not relative. God's truth is the same truth in your living room than in my closet. It's truth. Say amen. I can feel it. I can feel it. Number two, pure doctrine should push us towards love. Pure doctrine should push us towards love. Watch this. If you walk away from a particular teaching and you leave enraged at people, you leave mad at people, something is wrong with what was taught. If you walk away angry at a certain group of people, something is wrong with what you were taught. If you walk away looking down on certain people, something was wrong with the way you talk. That something was wrong with what was taught to you. The early slave masters in this country would teach truth from the Bible, but they will warp it and transform it and make uh, the slaves, African slaves feel down about themselves or look down on them. And they've taken God's truth and perverted it. And so they could further oppress them. If you walk away looking down on a particular group of people, Something's wrong. Something to look out for right now. i tell you guys, this is a burden in my heart. Something to look out for right now is we're hearing biblical terms in the world. And these biblical terms like justice, we see it in the Bible and people are taking the biblical term justice And really, they're after vengeance and they're taking the term justice and they're making the Bible say something that the Bible didn't say. If I hear one more believer say that Jesus turned over the table in the temple, I'm going to scream. That justice and grace both met at the cross. Now, that's not to say that when someone does something wrong, they need to be let off the hook. But God is the only one who has rights. And on the cross, God got justice. We got grace. And so as we seek justice, as we seek to turn a tide, as we seek to turn uh, 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 and implement things that that relegate oppression, we need to do it differently, saints. We need to do it like Jesus would have did it. When they were stretching up him high and wide on the cross, when they were suffocating him because of the position that the crucifix left him in and he was dying on their cross, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The church should be leading healing and forgiveness towards past atrocities and past wrongs but instead I see us trying to do something wholeheartedly different and I understand the emotion behind it, but here's the thing, we shouldn't relegate the cross while we're trying to do it. Which leads me and it segues me into my next one. Listen, no matter what political party you land in, if you see a friend on your social media feed and that particular friend is talking about how they're hurting, go into that person's DM and speak to that person. Say, hey, can I call you? Can I text you? Can we talk about it? Stop doing the Facebook back and back warring and we're believers. We're doing it in front of the world. Stop it. It's not biblical. If it's robbing Christ of his deity, it's false teaching. I don't need to say anything else about that. If it places salvation in some other place besides the cross, it's false. If it's looking at Jesus according to his hum- humanity in order to say that he was like this. And so therefore I exclude this group of people because he wasn't like this. It's false. Beware of any teaching that promises a new revelation. False teachers search the scriptures to find something new to say. They, they promise some kind of great awakening over heart change. If someone tells you, I was in the bathroom last night and the Lord revealed to me everything that we know about God has been revealed in Christ. And see, that's how we got all these new religions that came after Christianity. They want to add on to who Christ was. Beware of teachers. Beware of teachers who haven't fully understood what they are teaching. They often get angry when you question their thought process. Those are the ones you really need to watch out for. You start a dialogue and it's cordial, and you hey, explain this to me, explain this to me. Okay, what about this? And then they just get frustrated and mad. Because it says here in verse six certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions. Watch this desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. They're talking about stuff and they don't even understand it. They're just so excited to share something that they feel like they understand and feel like they know now. And false religions have come out that way. So what should we do? How can we be proactive? I got these three things and I'm gonna let you go home and I'm gonna stop screaming. But church, my heart, my heart hurts. My heart really hurts. Because in many ways, we have a form of godliness, but we don't have power. Because we don't know where our power is supposed to rest. I talk to myself on this as well. So you're going to see a more vocal pastor, not for argument's sake, and we're going to see in the word here, but for the sake of the gospel. The gospel has been pushed to the back of the bus and human endeavor and human initiative have come to the front of the bus. And what this country needs right now, we need social change. Yeah, I get that. We need to change things because it's a broken system. It's always going to be broken. But what we need more than that is we need the gospel to be proclaimed. Because whatever system we put together is going to fail us. No amount of social reform is going to get rid of racism. Why? Because you can't legislate a man's heart. That's what Christ does. So how, we, how do we become proactive when it comes to false teaching, when it comes to learning the word? Well, first we need to develop a Christian worldview. And I'm persuaded a lot of us are in the situations that we're in because we don't have a effective Christian worldview. And so number one, ground your faith in God's word. Learn to think biblically. The scripture should inform your thinking. All scripture is God breathed and profitable for doctrine. And so we have to get to a place where we found out and we see that our lives need to be grounded in truth. And what does the truth say about race? What does the truth say about government? What does the truth say about justice? What does the truth say about? And we need to come under the subjection, no matter what side of the fence we stand on politically, we need to bring ourselves under subjection to what Christ has said about these things. And the word will not waver. And so I see people on all sides of all different types of party lines that need to bring themselves under biblical thinking. And you can't be biblically thinking if you're not in the word. Number two, you need to check your motivation. Check your motivation. Paul told Timothy that the aim of our charge is love. And so first, as we check our motivation, am I speaking this in love? And I know a lot of you guys say, well, you've been yelling at us this whole time, pastor. You got to understand this is coming out of a love. This is coming out of a love that wants to see you be all that God has called you to be. Secondly, from a pure heart. He says, I'll charge is love that issues from a pure heart. Listen, I don't gain anything by teaching this way. My rewards are in heaven. As a matter of fact, I stand to lose because I've taught in this manner before and it didn't end up well for me. And this ain't the last time I'm going to teach in this vein. Why? Because it's the truth. Secondarily, a pure heart. Third, as I'm checking my motivation, make sure you're teaching or you're finding truth with a good conscience. With a good conscience. You know what? The reason that I get stuck out of control sometimes, and I feel this way. Like, I feel like it might be that whole bag of Starburst I ate before I, I preached to. But the reason I feel this way is because when I find someone who's opposing what I'm saying with another teaching, I often go and research and I scrutinize what I'm thinking against what they're thinking. And I'm often asking the question, what am I missing? What am I missing if this is a believer who loves Jesus and is moving forward with God and they're coming away with this understanding? What am I missing? If I see major denominations and major organizations and theologians and people that I look up to and they come away with another understanding, I go, what am I missing? If I'm arguing with my professors in the same vein as I'm writing papers and I'm emailing, I'm going, I don't, I'm, I'm reading the materials and I'm reading the word. What am I missing? That is a good conscience. You can argue with a good conscience. You can argue with a good conscience if you did the due diligence to look and see what am I missing? And you still walk away with your same understanding. I can preach it with a good conscience and I can preach this with a good conscience. And finally. As I'm checking my uh, motivation. Do I have a sincere faith? Am I sincere in what I'm believing? Am I believing this thing in order to apply it to my life? Am I believing it so that, just so I can know some stuff? Just so I can know something else, put it on my notch. When I have an argument, I can tear you up with the words. Do I have a sincere faith? I really believe this is what the word of God says and and my life, my orthopraxy follows it. You can rest assured that everything that I preach, I do my darndest to live it out. To live it out. So that I can truly say, follow me as I follow Christ. And number three, get understanding. Get understanding. So you've got into the Word and you begin to think biblically. You're checking your motivation. You're checking it against uh uh is it in love? Is it from a pure heart? Is it with a good conscience? Is it with a sincere faith? Then I get understand it. I become a student of the Word. I become a disciple. That's what it means to be a disciple. Is to be a student of Christ because it says that these people, they're teaching a the lot without understanding. They don't understand. They're saying things and making confident assertions and they don't know what they're talking about. The Bible tells us to get, seek, seek all these things, but in all our getting, get understanding. Why? Because when I understand it, I can apply it to my life and I can live it out. There's a, Teaching that's happening right now in our culture. It's been happening for the last 30 years, but it's really coming to a head during this pandemic. Um, And we're seeing uh, the behaviors and opportunists who are trying to push this narrative forward. That's not gospel. And it's crept into the church. And it's creating a bigger vacuum. It's creating a bigger racial rift than was there before. I want to hear your voices. We got to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we can ill afford to allow things to creep into the church that don't belong here. That's where the passion is coming from, y'all. That's where the passion is coming from. It's segmenting us. As if we weren't segmented enough already. It's segmenting us into these different uh, ideological uh, 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 boxes that Christ never intended for us to try and fit ourselves in. It's going to take people on all sides of all types of arguments to humble ourselves. So for the next few moments, I just want you to pray. Right where you're at. I want you to pray about someone who's making you angry. Whether it's a group of people, whether it's a particular person and you want to slap their eyebrows off. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. And then I want you to hit us up with any of your questions that you might have about how to overcome or to get over the hurdle that you're presently dealing with with that person that group of people and I want you to stay connected stay connected to the vine it's so vitally important so for the next uh, 45 seconds to a minute and a half I just want you to pray for those individuals or those groups of people. And then we'll. We'll dismiss you with some parting words. Listen. We love you. We only want what's best for you. And that's to see Christ high and lifted up. To see that he's torn down the walls of hostility. And the truth of who he is. Is greater than our every one of our experiences. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.